Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to Hope Talks. I'm Margaret Michael, and it's good to be here today. And I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for joining us today. And today we're joined by Jessica Crawford. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so glad to be with you guys. Yeah, it's good to have you in the studio. Thanks. It's been a little while. It has been a while. <laughs> I'm sure lots have happened. Lots so has happened. We're looking mm-hmm. forward to hearing a little bit about your story, God's story in your life. Yes. But before that, I just have to ask, if you were to get ice cream, mm-hmm. what would you get? Well, my friends at Smiley's. In Mount Crawford, Uh make a phenomenal, (laughs) it's like a coconut almond dark chocolate chunk. Yum. It is the best, and I love it. That is one of my favorites there. Is it? But I've learned recently that you can get a half of a banana split. What? Which is actually two scoops instead of three. So So you feel a little better about it. a little bit more doable. (laughs) And you're getting fruit, so that counts for something. Bananas, whatever. (laughs) A little milk products it's good so Grayson what do you like what's your favorite (laughs) plain old vanilla huh it never changes listen it's well you like what you like it's a good thing (laughs) man knows what he likes it's vanilla ice cream that's good anyway well Jessica just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up sure well I'm a Bridgewater girl grew up locally in the valley and I loved it sweet little simple life Um, my mom was a choir director at the Dayton Church of the Brethren for years so I grew up in that church pew and I'm really grateful for a foundation of faith in my life. But yeah, I went to college in a couple of different places, ended up finishing at JMU. Always wanted to honor the Lord with my life. And one of the ways I wanted to do that was to wait on the right relationship and to find the right person. And so I met and ended up marrying a guy that I thought was like a really amazing believer. And we had all these things in common. And he checked off all these boxes on my list of all the things that I wanted in my college age brain, you know, all the things that you're trying to figure out, you know, it's such a time in life where you're really trying to figure out so much and um, use whatever little wisdom you have at the time. But we think we have a lot of that. Oh my gosh, I thought, I thought I'd found it. I mean, I thought he checked off everything and it was a situation where we got married and everything shifted really quickly. And I was uh, on our honeymoon, like, who is this person? I don't understand what happened to all of the love and all of the excitement we were feeling and just couldn't figure it out. And so for years, there was a cycle of massive confusion. And eventually it felt so heavy and so destructive that really toxic. It wasn't just like a bad relationship. It wasn't like we were just missing each other in communication or it was just incredibly toxic. And it, for me, felt like living in a fog. I knew in my heart of hearts things were not okay, but I couldn't ever get to the bottom of what that was. I couldn't ever articulate it. And I didn't know what to do to get myself out of it. And I felt incredibly isolated because he sort of pulled me from friends and family and um, created dissension with them. And then I was trying to protect what little was left of their relationship with him. And so I was withholding information from friends and family because I was trying to protect his relationship with them. It was just so messy. And any attempt I ever made at getting us to go to counseling or it was all, he just squashed it. Um, So I was completely stuck and completely alone. And it became really, really painful over the years. I didn't know what to do. 
and I was crying out to God. I was seeking the Lord, but he really didn't want to be going to church so much and for seasons. And so I didn't really have that outlet or connection either. Eventually, interestingly, we ended up in youth ministry together, which was a good thing in that it got us back into church. And I really started to come alive in that position. It was like all of a sudden gifts that were inside me and had been hidden for a long time were starting to be used. And um, it was kind of a part of my daily life then to be sharing faith with others and be trying to encourage them in faith. And so as a byproduct of that, my faith really started to grow. And as that happened, it's interesting, this thought just came into my head. There's a lady at church that said to me one time, the Lord does not give us a spirit of confusion. She had seen us at a, a restaurant at a table and I was crying and he was doing this thing that he often did, which was basically take every word that I said and twist it and talk me around in circles to make me wrong. Even when I was just trying to communicate my feelings, thoughts, whatever. It was so manipulative and so emotionally abusive. And after years and years and years of that cycle, five, six years to be exact, you start to feel so defeated and you don't know how to have a sense of self anymore or get yourself out of the cycle. So I think she saw that and sensed, you know, by the spirit that something was going on. And that one word really changed things for me. And I realized, you know what? That's right. Like God is not confusing. He's clear and he can bring clarity to any situation. And I I finally put my foot down and said, it's counseling. Have to do it. And through that process, a lot of things got uncovered about his mental health. And it was quite a journey and quite a story. But then at 28, I end up going through a divorce while in youth ministry, which was really devastating, as you can imagine. I mean, I was, quote unquote, the good Christian girl who lived her life trying to do things the right way and be respected (laughs) in the church. And then here I am going through the thing I thought would never happen to me because I would never let it. And it was the thing in my life that totally brought me to my knees. So what did faith look like coming out of that? It came alive. And that really is the best part of my story is that I went from totally broken on my knees to uh, encountering God in ways that I never had before. You know, like I said, I grew up in the church pew with my mom directing the choir. And so um, church was the way of life. And I accepted Jesus at an early age at a sports camp. And I put my faith in him and I believed and I was going to do my best to make him proud. But what I learned along the way is that it's not all about what we can do for God. Grace is about what he did for us. And it has nothing to do with how good or cleaned up or right with him we are or whatever. We just have to receive. And I was so broken when I went through the divorce that there was nothing for me to do but receive grace and to really have to lean on the Lord and lean on his power. I mean, I remember saying to him, all right, God, I've got nothing now. What are you going to do with me? And I heard the spirit say, okay, now we can get started. And I went, all right, I don't know how I, in the moment, I didn't even know how to receive it, but I knew it was truth and I knew it was the Lord. And I went, all right, you got to show me because I don't know how to do this, you know? And I knew he was calling me to ministry and I knew he was going to take me on a journey and I felt incredibly unworthy. But another thing I knew the Lord had said to me uh, was, I don't call the equipped, I equip the called. Ah, And that was huge because I didn't feel like I had anything to give. And at the time, truthfully, I didn't. I mean, I, I wasn't a great musician. I was definitely not a good speaker. I had a really hard time communicating my faith. I just knew God was doing something in my life. But when you look at stories in the Bible, I mean, Moses. 
this. It was like, God, why me? I'm slow of speech. I don't have anything to offer. Like, I am not the one. Aaron's the one. He's got all the gifts you want. And the Lord was like, but I'm asking you, will you do it? And I felt the same in that moment. I felt like, okay, God is calling me. I feel totally ill-equipped. But then that means I have no choice to put to rely on him. And then he gets the glory because I can honestly say (laughs) it ain't me because I'm not that good. I'm not equipped. I'm not, you know, worthy. Definitely not worthy. As you were talking, another thing, uh, Pastor Margaret mentioned faith, but uh, also surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to surrender your all to God, what you thought God had planned or what maybe you thought yeah. his plans were. What did that, I mean, as that process, oh my gosh. you just want to share about that. Yeah, I had to surrender in so many ways. First of all, first thing I had to surrender was my own dreams because I, from the time I was a little girl, I mean, my life goal was to get married and have a family. And that came crashing down. I mean, when that shattered, that was number one, so painful. But number two, I had to trust the Lord with it. And that became a really long wait, really long wait, 12 years to be exact. And so when you are in your late 20s and 30s as a woman, that is an incredibly scary, hard (laughs) surrender. Yeah. (laughs) And I, and I made myself, I I determined within my own heart, I was like, I'm not going to be one of those women who lives her life looking at the watch all the time and going, and I just, again, surrendered to, okay, God, if you are telling me you can equip me for what you've called me to do, then do it. I don't know what to do, but you lead me to it. And so one of the things he did in that season was had a friend just totally out of the blue send me an email about a music ministry and missions equipping school in Nashville. And I read the first two lines of that email and I was like, I know this is for me. And so within a month of getting that email, I'd packed up my life and moved to Nashville, which I thought was going to be for three months, ended up being five years, two of which I was living in the inner city on a mission space, three of which I was totally living on faith and kind of doing itinerant ministry and traveling wherever God opened doors and working on music when I was in town because I am a songwriter and it was really great to be able to be in the music community in that way and God really equipped me and taught me a lot in that and so much of that I'm using now as a worship pastor and so yeah I mean that surrender too just to okay my life plans shattered. I had to walk away from my church position when all the divorce stuff happened. It was just too tricky for the parents and the youth to navigate. And I told my pastor, you tell me if this is getting hard on them because I won't let my personal life become an issue for these kids. And he broke in one day and was like, I, you told me to let you know, and I have to tell you, you know, it's just, it's just too hard. I want you to stay. I don't, I don't want to let you go. I can see what God's doing in your life. But, and I said, nope say no more. I'm going to resign. And that was so hard. So I surrendered my job, my dreams, my future, because I, then I, you know, off I go to Nashville for this three month ministry school. Uh, I took my tax return that year. That's what I, that's what I lived on for those three months, had no job, no nothing. And just, you know, just surrendered, but it was the best. It was the best thing I ever did. God was preparing you. Like he had you in a time of preparation. You were talking about, um, growing up in the church and you know, that's where you're foundation of faith comes from when we find ourselves in our parents church you know then we have the bible you know planted in our hearts because we were there but we still were on their faith at that point totally and just to think about what you went through and the foundation of faith that god was building everything crumbled Mm -hmm. right everything but then he rebuilt Mm -hmm. um you in a, a way that could bring him glory and so you were there in nashville what was that like doing ministry in Nashville. You ended up being there for five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, first, let me quickly just say it was my brokenness that led me to really uh, finally have 
my own personal faith like I'd never had to have before. And so often, you know, nobody wants to go through hard things, (laughs) obviously, but it's only through sometimes the hardest things that God can really get a hold of us and really shape and shake our faith until it's transformed Mm -hmm. into something else. And now I look back and go, that was the most important thing that's ever happened in my life. My worst moments were the most important critical thing. And they set me on a path to go to Nashville and to do all of these different things. And so to answer your question about Nashville, it was a real refining time. It was a real growing time too. So again, it wasn't like I went from a hard season to a really wonderful season. It was like hard season to a healing season. And we all know the healing seasons are sometimes the hard seasons too. So uh, there was a lot of inner healing that was happening. There was a lot of personal growth that was happening. There was a lot of stretching that was happening because I was living in community with a whole lot of other people. And for the first three months I was living there, I was living in a big dorm room with 20 young ladies, 20 bunk beds, warehouse, not nice living conditions at all. And so that alone (laughs) was a challenge. Add on the fact that I am just oozing from a divorce and the brokenness of all of that. And my heart is hurting and I'm processing all of that. I'm still going through all of that. So living in community for an introvert is not Mm. (laughs) a comfortable thing. And then the next two years I was living in an apartment, but it's all of this was right in the middle of the inner city. And so, you know, you can hear gunshots in the park and you're doing ministry training during the day. And then Thursday nights, feeding the homeless, Saturdays, doing outreach in the hood, training for that, doing equipping for that all throughout the week, sometimes doing food outreaches where we just donate tons of food to the community. Well, we would partner with a food bank and we would, you know, distribute all of the food or um, all kinds of outreach events like that. And so, you know, you're working with a population that is on one hand, really grateful for what you're doing, but also so needy and you're, you're broken from seeing all the neediness and seeing the cycles of uh, generational poverty, generational curses, generational sin. I mean, it's just it's so, so much heaviness all around. And I was also feeling the spiritual weight of all of that. And so my Nashville season was really hard in a lot of ways, really necessary for my growth and development and my faith and, you know, my ministry development and music development. It wasn't pretty or glamorous. You know, people hear Nashville and they think, and I always go, oh, Nashville experience wasn't what you think it was. (laughs) I eventually got connected with some great songwriters and did have some cool music experiences, but that was not the overarching theme of that season. And Jessica, just talking about the brokenness and moving into this new phase, so to speak, how over the years has God brought healing and restoration and forgiveness in your life? Mm -hmm. Oh man. Well, in beautiful ways. First of all, I had to forgive myself because you don't, my mom always says, you, you don't know what you don't know. And you can only do the best that you can do with what you do know at the time, you know? And I was 21 when I got married. And what I thought I was getting into was good things. You know, I used my brain and I tried to, you know, be logical. And, um, you know, I think it really, the way things turned really shocked everyone. So I, I wasn't the only one that was blindsided. But looking back, there were some red flags that I wish I would have understood more. But I had to forgive myself for that. And I had to forgive myself for actually getting a divorce because that was something I thought I would never, ever do. And when I let go of all of that, and then, of course, I had to forgive him. And truth is, uh, hurting people hurt people. 
And so I have a ton of compassion for that. And I still, to this day, pray for his well-being. I want God to do something beautiful in his life because God's done something so beautiful and powerful in my life, way more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. Like Ephesians 3 says, he's the God of exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. And he's done that for me. I can't believe what my life looks like now. And I'm so grateful. And I just want to see God do that for anyone and everyone, including the person I was once married to, because he needs that. And I hope he's well. And, you know, and I don't know, but I hope he's well. And so forgiveness is so critical because it can either set you free or withholding it can keep you in bondage and keep you trapped. And so I'm so grateful that God graced me with the ability to forgive and that somehow along the lines, I learned that it can be a continual choice. You can have to continue to forgive, acknowledge and kind of look inside and sort of do a heart check from time to time and go, Ooh, where's that coming from? And what is going on inside of me? And Oh, that looks like bitterness. Oh, why am I thinking that? Why am I feeling that? Oh, I think it's time to forgive again and acknowledge it and really lay it down and let God heal and do what you need to do to turn it loose. Before we go any further, because I want to hear about all the good stuff too. But before we go any further, what would you say to someone who has found themselves in a relationship like you're talking mm. about? What would you say to them today if they're listening? What would your advice be? First of all, if you feel like someone else is trying to make you seem like the crazy one, <laughs> and you yeah. know in your heart of hearts that you are logical and reasonable <laughs> and good, emotional abuse is very, very, very very real and unfortunately all too common. And you need to talk to someone and you probably need to talk to someone professional. I went to several different counselors and that was really critical in unraveling my story and unraveling my truth and helping me to see things clearly. Because when you're in it, it really is like living in a fog and you just can't hardly see your hand in front of your face. It was almost like I just had this knowing in my heart that I wasn't crazy and needed to go through a process of having others affirm that. Um, And for me, uh, sitting in a counseling session, uh, listening to someone else who had also talked to the other party, look at me and tell me, you're not crazy. I understand everything that you're saying and you articulated it really well. It was the thing I needed to get the confidence that I needed to continue to seek truth and find my healing. So um, surround yourself with good godly people, people that have your best interest in mind, not people that are going to judge and condemn you, but people who are going to love and support you and help you get connected with counselors and Pastors, leaders, resources, yes. We're blessed to live in a time where people are willing. There's so much more value these days in talking about emotions and feelings and experiences. You know, like I feel like my grandparents' generation just had to stuff it and there weren't resources for understanding or processing through things. And I think these days there's just way too many resources. People, there's no excuse to not seek out healing and help because there is hope and God wants that for you. And that's his heart. That is his heart for you. And the enemy would love to keep us stuck in shame, a shame cycle of believing that we're so unworthy of God's love because of what's happening to us or what we've gone through. I mean, it took me a long time to get out of shame from just going through a divorce. But eventually I realized that's just the enemy trying to keep me bound up. But God wants to, you know, set us free and bring us into healing. So I just have a question. Uh, You Talking about um, you had to forgive yourself for the divorce. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Because I think some people in more conservative circles yes. may, you know, believe that that is a sin that is unforgivable. Yep. Right? And um, Jesus forgives all sin. That's right. right. So I want you, if you don't mind, just to share a little bit about that. What does it look like to forgive yourself? Well, it's a really cool thing that you're asking me that question inside of this church because Grace and I had a conversation with your dad about this very thing. Your dad was 
incredibly kind and warm man that I could go to to talk through some of this stuff. I mean, he saw me at my most broken place, and I, I said to him, but God hates divorce. I know the Bible says God hates divorce. And he said, the Bible says a lot of things. And what he was getting at is, yeah, that's true. And I think having gone through it, I know that one of the reasons God hates divorce is because it hurts people so bad. It's so painful. And God's heart is love. And he doesn't want his kids to go through that type of pain. But to your point, Jesus forgave all sin. And do I believe that um, my sin is unforgivable? That would be proud, right? That That would would be be pride. pride. Yeah. And I think I lean within my own self, personality-wise, whatever, I can tend to lean more legalistic. Just black and white, think about things, read scripture and go, okay, that's what that, you know? And so that I think is one of the reasons that it took me so long to process through and forgive myself for it was because I was reading the verses like, you know, uh, you get remarried and you're an adulteress or you're, you know, all, all of these things. But what I, basically what I had to receive is the fact that Jesus is full of grace, grace and truth. And I certainly will not ignore the fact that God does not like divorce, but the Old Testament, he also gave permission for divorce. And so you have to kind of look at the whole picture. Right. Um, and for me, I tried to walk out my process in a way that I could look back on and go, I know I did the best I could at the time. And I know in my heart of hearts that I did that. And I know that I sought counseling. I know that I waited. I know that, you know, I know that I did everything within reason, yeah. you know, and gave lots of opportunity for things to shift and change. And that answer your question yeah I just I think that's so important um I didn't want to miss that point that God forgives Mm -hmm. Jesus died for all sin yeah and it wasn't something you asked for no right like that was not the road I tried so hard to prevent it yeah 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 and so I'm just trying to give some freedom to those listening today yeah that um I think there are people that are bound in places that are so unhealthy and Mm -hmm. um to see you come out of that and to see God rebuild your life and we're getting ready to hear good stuff and I just believe that God has this great purpose for us and the enemy would want us to stay bound yeah and to stay in a place that we could not serve God like 100% and I can't imagine now that I've been a worship pastor for a while now and um and a worship leader for longer than that that I literally cannot wrap my head around Jesus looking at my life and the fruit of my life now saying to me, but you were divorced. So you can't do that. You, you know, because that's, those aren't the stories that I see in the Bible. The stories I see in the Bible are people who went through hard stuff and God got a hold of them, turned their life around. And then they became the ones who testified and brought people to Jesus. Right? Like that's, I know in my heart of hearts, that's his intention is redemption. His intention is always redemption. And I know that's what he's done in my life. And that's what is going to speak to the people in my church that are broken and going through hard things or your church that are, you know, or wherever we go on the streets or in conversations at the grocery store, whatever it is, you know, I want to speak to the redemptive power of Jesus because he literally transformed my life and made it better than I could ever imagine. Absolutely. And he promises to do that for, you know, yes. he, he's done it. So I was just thinking about the woman at the well, you mm-hmm. know, he said, well, you've been married five times and the one you're with, you're not married to. Yeah. And he had a, beautiful conversation with her yeah about eternal life and she became the first evangelist there you go let's just let's admit it like 
you know, when it says that she went back to the village and then she is coming back and he goes, look, the fields are white for the harvest. Mm-hmm. That was the Samaritans dressed in their white robes to come worship. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the harvest was people. That's right. Um, and uh, that was all because of one woman that was forgiven. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of reconciliation. And Jesus had to go through Samaria to make that happen yeah, because right. he cares about the one. Right. Totally. Jessica, share about how the Lord's used you as a worship leader and kind of what he's doing right now in your life in that position, in that role. Well, it's a, <laughs> it's a really humbling thing for me to know what I've walked through and for God to have just opened doors for me. I went from Nashville to New Jersey, um, thought I was just going to be an interim worship leader there for a while and help that church get through a pastoral transition. Ended up getting hired there and staying for two years and built a team and uh, just had a lot of wonderful experiences. We were a church of about, I don't know, 1,700. And it was just a really, it, it was it was an amazing experience. And then I knew that season was coming to a close, ended up moving home. And then New Beginnings Church in Harrisonburg came calling and said, hey, we could really use your help building our team while we're looking for a pastor. And I was like, huh, interesting. I'm seeing a little trend here. You know, God keeps using me in these specific scenarios to come in, train, build team and take over for a while. And so basically they hired that pastor and that pastor was like, please stay, you know. And uh, so I am under Pastor Drew Price at New Beginnings Church and loving that. It's just been a really beautiful thing. And, And so cool, too, because in my heart of hearts, I really wanted to be home. But there just wasn't opportunity here. And it was like when I knew God was calling me from New Jersey to home, there was no open door. There wasn't. And I just needed a season of rest. And so coming out of that season of rest, God literally just like opened the door for me. And the job came to me. You know, the ministry position came to me. And I never take a ministry position without knowing for sure that I've heard from the Lord that this is where I'm supposed to be. And God totally confirmed that in some really beautiful ways. And I'm just... So happy and thankful. So you mentioned earlier that um, God has things planned for us that we've never dreamed ever imagined. Do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, it's been 12 years mm-hmm. since I was single. And there were a couple people along the way, but it was sort of relationships that um, looked good on the surface and then quickly um, became really obvious that there were just things that did not line up. And as a person in ministry, I chose along the way, um, and I'm glad that I did, to be really careful because I knew that in order to do what God was calling me to do, I had to partner my life with someone who really had the same vision and really understood me and my heart and could support that and breathe life into that, cover me in that, and hopefully also partner with me in that. And so um, in December, this guy walked into my church, who I hadn't seen in 12 years, and um he was going through something really painful at the time and um, came up to me after and I said, oh, I remember you. And uh, we had a quick conversation and and that was that. And then a few weeks later, he came back. And then a few weeks later, he came back. And long story short, that has turned into the most beautiful relationship I've ever been in. And he loves Jesus with his whole heart. He's been totally transformed by God too. And um is a musician as well and has a heart for music ministry and is, uh, you know, we're partnering in that. And it's just been the most beautiful redemptive thing for both of us because he has, his story is pretty similar to mine in some ways. And it's just been incredible to watch God do something redemptive for both of us through each of us having walked, you know, some things that are similar and similar kinds of pain and to have similar gifts 
and similar vision for the future. And just even personality wise, it's just been the most natural, easy, beautiful fit. And I'm just so grateful. And, you know, I I mentioned Ephesians 3 before, but I feel like I'm literally living in the exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I didn't see it coming, you know? It was when I had hit my lowest low. And actually, I had, in January, I had 12 friends praying because I said I'd just been through a quick relationship and a hard breakup and was like, I just kind of threw up my hands and I said, Lord, like, you're just going to have to take this. I I can't even try anymore. I can't even be open anymore, you know? And so I reached out to 12 friends and just said, can you just pray for me and carry me through January? I'm just going to press into Jesus. And little did I know that this guy had his pastors praying in December when he met Mm -hmm. me about me. And that's when the relationship I was in ended Wow, and I became so freed up. And then in January, while I was kind of healing from yeah. the roller coaster of that last thing, I had friends praying and carrying me through. And then he showed me an act of kindness in March that caught my eye. And then from there, it just kind of unfolded. And it's all been built on Jesus and kindness and authenticity and all of the good things. I'm thinking about the waiting. Yeah. The importance of waiting. Because when it's right, you know it, right? It's, That's right. Uh, and so thank you for waiting and um, having people pray. Mm-hmm. I think if there's anything that we heard today that should bring encouragement is just that, to for people to, like, I don't think we do that enough, mm-hmm. um, to ask folks to just pray when we're uncertain and we need that support and yeah um, God comes through and the fact that both of you were doing that I'm sure that was great affirmation oh yeah it was a wow moment for sure and you know I was in a small group we still get together sometimes but we always use the analogy or the story that's in the bible about how the friends of the paralytic put him on a mat and lowered him through the roof to Jesus because they knew that he needed to get to the Lord. And, you know, in January, that's what my friends did for me. And throughout different parts of my story, through the divorce and through some of the pain and the grieving and the healing, that's what friends did for me. And so to be surrounded by the kind of people who will be that type of Christian community for you to really take you in prayer to the feet of Jesus and keep you encouraged and be near to you when you're going through the worst of it is just such a gift. Well, Jessica, thank you for joining us uh, for Hope Talks today. As always, it's been great to have you. Thanks for sharing with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me and for what you're doing with this ministry. It's beautiful. Thank you uh, for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that as you've heard Jessica Crawford's testimony, that it's been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.